part one chapter six of the tree of heaven by mason clare this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part one peace chapter six in that peace and tranquillity where nothing ever happened jerry's violent death would have counted as an event a date to reckon by but for three memorable things that happened one after another in the summer and autumn of ninety nine the return of francis's brother maurice fleming from australia where anthony had sent him two years ago on the express understanding that he was to stay there the simultaneous arrival of anthony's brother bartholomew and his family and the outbreak of the boer war the return of maury was not altogether unforeseen and bartholomew had announced his coming well beforehand but who could have dreamed that at the end of the nineteenth century england would be engaged in a war that really was a war frances with the times in her hands supposed that that meant more meddling and muddling of stupid politicians and that it would mean more silly speeches in parliament and copy at last for foolish violent pathetic and desperate editors and breach of promise cases divorces and fires and paraffin shops reduced to momentary insignificance but as yet there was no war nor any appearance that sensible people interpreted as a sign of war at the time of maury's return it stood alone as other past returns the return from bombay the return from canada the return from cape colony had stood in its sheer awfulness to francis it represented the extremity of disaster they might have known what was coming by granny's behaviour one day the day when the australian mail arrived she had subsided suddenly into a state of softness and gentleness she approached her son-in-law with an air of sorrowful deprecation she showed a certain deference to her daughter louis she was soft and gentle even with emmeline and edith mrs fleming broke the news to louis who broke it to francis who in her turn broke it to anthony that was the procedure they invariably adopted i wonder granny said what he can be coming back for each time she affected astonishment and incredulity as if maury's coming back were not an occurrence that crushed you with its flatness and staleness but a thing that must interest louis because of its utter unlikeliness i wonder said louis why he hasn't come before what else did you expect i'm sure i don't know said granny helplessly go and tell francis louis went and because she knew that the burden of maury would fall again on francis's husband she was disagreeable with francis it's all very well for you she said you haven't got to live with him you haven't got to sleep in the room next him you don't know what it's like i do know said francis i remember you'll have to bear it you haven't had to bear it for fourteen years you'll have to bear it francis repeated till anthony sends him out again that's all it amounts to she waited till the children were in bed and she was alone with anthony something awful's happened she said and paused hoping he would guess i don't know how to tell you well don't tell me if it's that nicky's been taking my new bike to pieces it isn't nicky it's maurice anthony got up and cleared his pipe thoroughly and deliberately she wondered whether he had heard i'd no business to have married you to have let you in for him why what's he been up to now he's coming home so said anthony is bartholomew i'd no business to have let you in for him 
don't worry francis if maury comes home he'll be sent out again that's all at your expense i don't grudge any expense in sending maury out nor in keeping him out yes but this time it's different it's worse why worse because of the children they're older now than they were last time they'll understand what if they do they must learn anthony said to realize facts they realized them rather sooner than he had expected nobody but louis had allowed for the possibility of maury's sailing by the same steamer as his letter and louis had argued that if he had done so he was bound either to have arrived before the letter or to have sent a wire therefore they had at least a clear five days of peace before them anthony thought he had shown wisdom when the next morning which was a wednesday he sent granny and the aunties to eastbourne for a week so that they shouldn't worry francis and when on thursday he made her go with him for a long day in the country to take her mind off maury they came back at nine in the evening and found dorothy michael and nicholas sitting up for them michael and nicky were excited but dorothy looked grown up and important uncle maury's come they said dorothy saw him first nicky let him in he hadn't got a hat on we kept him in the schoolroom till nana could come and put him to bed he was crying because he'd been to granny's house and there wasn't anybody there and because he'd lost the lovebirds he'd brought for auntie emmy and because he couldn't remember which of us was dead no mummy nobody's seen him but us and nana nana's with him now uncle maury never accounted even to himself for the time he had spent between the arrival of his ship at tilbury on sunday morning and that saturday afternoon neither could he remember what had become of his luggage or whether he had ever had any only the county councilman going his last rounds in the farthest places of the heath came upon a small bundle tied in a blue handkerchief a cap belonging to e d bolger of the s s arizona a cage of lovebirds and a distinct impression of a recumbent human form on the grass together under a young birch tree in the stuffy little house behind the judge's walk the four women lived now under male protection when they crossed the heath they had no longer any need to borrow anthony from francis they had a man of their own to make room for him auntie louie and her typewriter were turned out of their own place and auntie louie had to sleep in granny's bed a thing she hated to make room for the typewriter the grey parrot was turned out of the dining-room into the drawing-room and as maurice couldn't stand either the noise of the typewriter or the noises of the parrot he found both the dining-room and the drawing-room uninhabitable day after day dorothy and michael and nicky on the terrace looked out for his coming only extreme distance made uncle maury's figure small and harmless and pathetic day after day he presented himself with an air of distinction and assurance flushed and a little battered but still handsome wearing a spruce grey suit and a panama hat bought with anthony's money sheep farming in australia he had infinitely preferred the cape mounted police had ruined maurice's nerves he was good for nothing but to lounge in anthony's garden to ride his horses it was his riding that had got him into the cape mounted police to sit at his table and drink his wines and when there was no more wine for him to turn into jack straw's castle for a pick-me-up on his way home and before july was out three others were added to the garden group bartholomew and vera and veronica and after them a fourth vera's friend captain ferdinand cameron home on sick leave before anybody expected him 
francis's tree of heaven sheltered them all end of part one chapter six recording by expatriate in bangor maine